Hello and welcome to another edition of Perpetual Outsider. My name is John Bensalia. It's nice to see you, to see you. No? Oh well. Well, anyway, that should give you a clue as to what I'm going to be looking at on today's podcast. Now, of course, it can't always be Doctor Who. We can't always look at Doctor Who episodes on this podcast because not everybody likes Doctor Who, do they? You know, it's uh, it's a question of taste. So in order to shake things up a bit, I thought I'd take a look back at an old edition of The Generation Game uh, with Bruce Forsyth from 1977. So without further ado, let's uh, take a look at this and we'll start right now. Here we go. Now, what was the Generation Game? You may well ask, for those of you who have never seen it, well, the Generation Game was a big, big hitter for the BBC in the 1970s. And the way it would work, it would, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty much what it says on the tin. You get four couples um, who were either, you know, a mix of mums, dads, sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, uh, in-laws. And what they do is they would compete, compete against each other um, in various silly, you know, um, you know, sort of uh, mental and practical challenges, tasks. Um, and whoever would win would go forward to the end game, which was usually a musical performance or a uh, or a drama skit or um, you know, Potter's Wheel, that sort of thing. Um, and after that, they would uh, go through to uh, to the conveyor belt. They would win some big, big, big prizes. Well, I say big, big prizes. Actually, they weren't. It was a cuddly toy, fondue set, um, that sort of thing. But it was a huge, huge success. And um, it would follow after Doctor Who traditionally on the uh, on the Saturday night. And it was massive. I mean, it would be pulling in ratings of like, you know, ooh, 15, 17, maybe even 19 million. I mean, we're, we're talking big numbers here. Big numbers. And it was such a huge success. And it ran for um it ran between uh, 1971 and 1980, early 1982 originally. Excuse me, just uh swilling down some coffee here. And um for the first uh, first seven years, it was hosted by none other than Bruce Forsyth, who is uh, introducing his uh his then wife Anthea Redburn. Right now, she's just given us a 12. He would always say at the beginning, give us a 12. Now, the edition I'm looking at is is actually uh, Bruce's penultimate show of the original run. He would do this one from 1977, December 1977. And um, after that, he would, he would do the Christmas show uh, from, uh, which was on, which a broadcast today. And then he would do a New Year's show uh, which was just a you know look back you know a compilation thing of you know highlights from from the past series. Um, there'll be one further edition with Bruce, um, which was on uh, uh, May May nineteen seventy eight, the May back holiday. But that it was you know it was just a rerun of an old show because he'd be poached to ITV, and he was getting he'd be uh, he'd been swayed by uh, 
Doctor Who Boohis, villain Michael Grade, uh, I think it was. And he was going to get paid £15,000 an episode for a new venture called Bruce Forsyth's Big Night. Now, £15,000 may not seem like a lot of money to you, but um, in those days, it was a heck of a lot. Heck of a lot of money. We're talking the upper end of, uh, you know, the six-figure sums here. And it was going to be this all-singing-all-dancing spectacular with uh, music and special guests and uh, and game shows and variety and comedy and everything that you could, you know, throw at it. And the problem was none of it really... Everything was thrown at it, but none of it really stuck. So... It was, it just didn't really, it just didn't really work. And of course it was pitted against um, the Generation Game with its new host, Larry Grayson, um, which, which didn't really, which, um, which, you know, continued to bring in the ratings and it was still big news. And unfortunately, you know, it was Bruce's, Bruce Forsyth's big night was a comparative flop. Um, but he he would return again uh, to play cards right, and it it wasn't it wasn't completely taken off the air um, after after the nineteen seventy eight series. It would actually be back for a couple of the specials. I think it was April and September nineteen eighty, one of which was uh, with uh, one of Bruce's idols, Sammy Davis Jr. But anyway, back to the generation game, and here he is with uh, with the first of two contestants. Uh, two sets of contestants, um, which he's, I think it's Beryl and Gary he's, uh, he's interviewing here. Um, yeah, for, for those for those who have never seen the original run of a generation game, um, Bruce can be quite cutting with, <laughs> with the contestants. Um, he, he can take the mickey out of them quite a bit, which um, I'm not really sure we're quite past muster in today's, uh, today's society. You know, I think some people might think it might be, they, they might be a little bit too easily offended. But they're also doing very strange things here. Like um, the, um, the female contestant, Beryl, is just about to um, um, give a kiss to each of Bruce's um, henchmen. I say the henchmen, they, they wheel on the, um, you know, the various boards and the various tables and things like that and equipment needed for the games. And she's going along the row of this row of men and just giving them a peck of a cheek one by one. Um, <laughs> I'm really quite sure that you do that these days, but uh, it's uh, it's very strange. But they, oh god, yeah. Oh my god, I mean, the guy at the end is just going for you know, God, a kiss on the lips there. I mean, blimey. Very strange. But anyway, I mean, just despite the kind of what, what some might call waspish, I, I think Bruce was, um, he, he, I think he had a great relationship with contestants. You know, he, he could take them out. But um, I, I think it was all done in good humour, I think. I, I don't really think there was anything that would, you know, really offend, you know, people at the time. Um, and of course, Bruce Falsap was... You know the, the consummate entertainer. Really, he just he he had an audience in the palm of his hand. Really, um, I've, I think I've become more, more of a fan of his um, in in recent years. Actually, I think when he was doing Strictly, I wasn't such a fan mainly because I didn't really like Strictly Gun Dancing. Um, 
but I think I think looking back on some of these old generation games, I'm I'm amazed that you know how he manages to to carry off um, a whole show in an hour. And don't forget, this was pretty much filmed in real time. What they would do is they would film the show um, a couple of days before. Um, they were literally, you know, pr- pretty much doing it as live TV. You know, with, with um, you know, with, you know, with cameras rolling, it was pretty much done in real time. And that's by no means the <laughs> easy thing to do because you know so many things could go wrong, especially with the games. You know, God knows there were probably plenty of retakes needed. Um, but it was, you know, it was a hell of a difficult thing to to ask. But amazingly, he managed to pull it off. Um, and you know, if um, I'm, I'm not really sure if uh, you know if anybody you know anybody else could have done it quite as well. I think the uh, the replacement that he got, Larry Grayson, I think did it equally well. Um, but he did it in his own you know unique style. But Bruce, you know, he he was great. I, I thought he was uh, you know re- really good and uh, did did really well. Now, of course, the contestants we don't we don't really know much about the contestants. You know, there's very little anecdotes about the contestants, you know, recollections. God, if if Bruce Forsyth was here right now, he would take this out of for that. <laughs> but the reason I chose this episode is that um, the contestants that you've got here, they, they were interviewed. And there's a couple of stories about them on the web, which is... Uh, which is quite interesting, actually. You've got Nigel and Margaret here. Now, Nigel, uh, about a year later, he he remembered um, Bruce's offer that if he was ever in town, if Bruce was ever in town and he was performing, that he would um, pop round to see him. Um, and Nigel, on the off chance, went round to the local box office the following year where Bruce Forsyth was uh, was appearing in a show. And he mentioned this at the box office, uh, at the box office uh, entrance, the ticket. ticket. And um, amazingly, Bruce Forsyth came in where he was working in a bag um, and gave him two tickets for his show. Um, of course, he wanted something in return. He, he wanted, um, he wanted the game of golf. Because, um, Nigel, is as he's explaining here is uh, you know he's he's got golf coming out of his ears as he says here and um i mean it, it's amazing I, I can't really picture many um many entertainers today actually doing that you know just popping into the um popping into your place of work and say oh right here you go here's a couple of tickets for the show which is uh, which is extraordinary really and margaret his mum um it's really quite quite amazing it was recently recently reported that she was a code breaker during the second world war at bletchley park um which is which is amazing um sadly uh sadly no longer with us she recently passed away um not long after Bruce Forsyth passed away, actually on the, on Boxing Day 2017, but it was a uh, you know it was a good old age, uh, 93 I think it was. So uh, Nigel and Margaret, well done. Uh, they <clears throat> they do prove to be the winners of the, this edition of the Generation Game. And actually, there'll be another contestant, um, but uh, we'll we'll come on to uh, we'll talk about her later when she appears 
So here is the first game. And the game, the, the aim of the game is to um, name the authors of these uh, these one, two, three, six random characters who have come on the stage. They're, a, they're dressed up as characters from classic books, classic novels. And the contestants have to guess um, who wrote them, who created them. And we've had, um, uh, there's, there's Alice in Wonderland with, uh, with way too much makeup. There's Robinson Crusoe or some tramp they picked up in the street. And there's Long John Silver at the end, <clears throat> uh, looking like he doesn't want to be there. Excuse my voice. <clears throat> Ugh. Isn't that a pain in the arse when you try and do a podcast and you get flying a frog in your throat? God, it's just it's just not on. So anyway, here is um uh Tinkerbell and Wendy from Peter Pan. And for some reason, Gar uh, Gary and Beryl have put Charlie Chaplin uh, as the author. <laughs> I don't Uh, yeah, and Beryl and Margaret, uh, sorry, uh, Margaret and Nigel have got it right. It is uh, Barry who painted them. And the next one, I think, is uh, Mr. Pickwick. I mean, he hasn't got any sideburns. He, look, he looks a little bit like the guy who's playing Pickwick. He looks a little bit like um, the egg from the Kinder Surprise advert from the, uh, the 1980s. Uh, I, th I think they've both got, um, have they both got, Alice in Wonderland, right? I, th I think Margaret and Nigel have got it right with uh, Lewis Carroll. It's very kind of genteel stuff by today's standards. You know, they, they probably get something with a lot more kind of <clears throat> whiz pop bang, really. I think for for the more day. But um, I, I quite like the, the kind of low-key um approach I, I suppose you know it, it, there's, there's something to be said for that kind of you know cozy family you know for, you know it's it's a family game for everyone really um which which you don't really get nowadays these days it's all it's, it's so in your face i think these days tv which is uh you know, you know, it's it's just not for me. But but this is good, you know, good, good harmless fun for all the family. I think really. So that was the end of the first round. Beryl and Gary have four, and Margaret and Nigel have six. So they're just ahead. Now the next game is going to be Punch and Judy, Punch and Judy, in which they have to assemble uh, a Punch and Judy store with. Uh, uh, two blokes who are experts in assembling Punch and Judy stalls, Mike Rogers and John Blasky. Uh, now, John Blasky is still around. Had a quick look at his website the other day, and he's kind of gone from being a uh, a Punch and Judy stall assembler to kind of like a jack of all trades. He's a speaker, a business speaker. I think he gives talks on things like face-to-face uh, -face communications in business, that sort of thing, you know, especially in days where everyone's glued to their screens and phones and uh, iPads and everything. He's also a performer. He's done plays by Harold Pinter and Neil Simon. And he's also, what he, uh, he also does Reiki sessions as well, Reiki healing. So um, 
quite, quite the master, really. And he's assembling, he and Mike are assembling this uh, Punch and Judy stall with, uh, with, with consummate ease uh, to the sounds of that annoying bibbity bobbity boo song from, is it? is it Cinderella, I think? I don't know. But that gubba balooba, bubba balooba, whatever, bibbity bobbity boo, I don't know. But they always, Ronnie Hazelhurst always comes up with these, uh, these little songs in the background uh, as, as they're performing the task. You don't really see much Punch and Judy these days. I don't know why. Um, could it be because maybe uh, modern day audiences might think it's too violent? I was actually watching. Um, now, what was it? I th yeah. <laughs> I was watching an episode of Dickinson's Real Deal the other day. And um, they they had all these, um, these valuable, rare Punch and Judy um accessory you know the puppets and everything and dickinson was asking here is a right bobby dazzler of the question do you think the punch of judy is too violent these days and the the lady in question said that well she didn't think that punch of judy was too violent but um dickinson was putting it out there that maybe it was just that bit too violent is it too violent for modern day audiences I, I, I don't know, but I must admit, I haven't seen them around. You know, it's it's just one of those, uh, you know, one of those quirks that you know that used to be around quite a lot when I was a kid. You know, if if ever I go down to the seaside, then you know there there would be a punch of Judy still there. But it's it's just one of those things. Maybe it's just not PC enough for modern day audiences. Who knows. So anyway, Mike and uh, Mike and John successfully assembled the stool, and now it's the turn of <laughs> Beryl and Gary and Margaret and Nigel. And, uh, Bruce says that it's kind of going to be a race. It's going to be a race against time. Uh, see who can uh, see who can do it in the quickest time. Um, now I've I've got to say there is absolutely no way I can do this sort of thing. When it when it comes to practical practical things, I'm just Beyond useless. Um, I, I, I just couldn't do it. Absolutely no way. Um, but they, you know, to their credit, they actually do quite well here. You know, if, if you're new to this sort of thing, um, it, it must be no, no easy task. Especially, you know, you're performing it in front of an audience who are laughing at you and also an audience at home. You know, I don't know if they, the contestants had this vision in their mind of 19 million people watching and having a good old chuckle over their beans on toast and tea. and So it, it, it must be quite a daunting thing. And of course, um, um, for those of you who have never seen The Generation Game, they used to do all sorts of, uh, you know, kind of practical tasks. They do like uh, the potter's wheel. They'd, um, you know, they make pottery with very... Very dodgy results. They decorate cakes. Um, they would do icing uh, with with those little piping bags, those pipette things. Um, I think that there's one episode where they do with uh, with mashed potato. I think color mashed potato, which uh, you know maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll comment about that in the future. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they. Um, D depending on the person, you know, it would either be a 
great success or a massive failure, and it would, you know, it it, it would just fall to pieces. Um, but to their credit, they um, uh, both sets of couples here have actually done quite well. I should point out that both both of these are uh, mother and son combinations. Nigel has just dropped uh, one of the the front panels of the Punch and Judy store, and uh, <laughs> and keeps wandering off. As Bruce himself says, they uh, they keep all the contestants seem to be on wheels tonight. They uh, they keep wandering off by the by themselves. Mike is awarding a very generous seven out of ten there, which is uh, oh Nigel's wandering off again. <laughs> Um, John is pointing out that it's uh, the um, Gary and Beryl's effort has got its flaws, but they win. He says he likes to award them eight points out of ten. And it's it's actually not too bad. It's uh, that's that's quite a good effort, I think. Oh, he's he's a bit of an awkward bit. Um <laughs> some some of these vintage shows, they it does get a bit awkward because John and Mike offered to donate the Punch of Judy stalls to children in need appeal. And Bruce says, Well, that's very kind of you, but actually, um, children in need asks for money. And then John and Mike look a bit put out by that. Yeah, he's just gone, oh, oh, oh. but he and Bruce quickly says, Oh, yeah, but they'll they'll come in very handy, I'm sure. So uh Whereas these days you probably get, you know, like uh, big whoops of uh, applause, big whoops and applause from the audience. And, uh, but uh, yeah, slight moments of awkwardness that do crop up. <laughs> so alas, Beryl and Gary, they, despite them getting eight points, um, it's, they lose out to Margaret and Nigel, but they do go away with, uh, commiseration tankards which are which will be specially engraved and they just shaking hands which is which is quite nice actually you know they you, you don't really get that these days and the, ne the next uh the next couples are coming on this we now got um uh i think it's uncle and niece i think this time for, uh, for both both of them and one of them is <laughs> one of them is called Theresa may um, I don't think it's the Theresa for a number of reasons. I think for one, at the time Theresa May was actually called Theresa Brazier, I think. She she was only a May by marriage. And the other reason, another reason, is she looks nothing like her really. Um she's quite posh, but um not as posh as uh the future prime minister. <laughs> Um, and also, the Theresa May that we've got here used to be a bunny girl. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, which just conjures up all sorts of horrible visions of uh, the Theresa May that's around now. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, they're, they're probably about the same age. I mean, they're... I think Theresa's about 22 or 23 or something. So it's probably born in the mid fifties. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, you know, what she's doing. She's probably, she's probably remarried and uh, got herself a new name to, you know, I, I, I don't think she would have been sharing uh, a name with uh, 
Um, <laughs> but Theresa May with a Mr. Majika haircut. I, I, I don't really think she'd, uh, she'd like that very much. Bruce has just done a terrible uh, pink joke about how she used to, um, I think he's either live or work in Bahrain. And of course, he sang the Pink Panther theme to Bahrain. I'm, I'm not going to sing it. I don't want uh, any man seeing these copyright people hounding me. <laughs> I've got to say, the contestants, they I suppose some people might call them a, a little bit too quiet. Um, dare I say, I've, I've read a couple of comments on YouTube um, about the contestants back who actually criticise them for being too boring. But I, I, don't, I don't think they're boring at all. I, I think they're actually, I think it's actually quite refreshing to have, you know, sort of quiet people, you know, who, who aren't really there to make a song and dance and think that the whole show's about them. Um, because these days, we, we don't get that anymore. It's, you know, everybody's got to make a name for themselves. Everybody's got to be a bit, you know, star in their own TV um, You know, they go into, you know, you know, it's it's kind of like everyday people. You know, you know, they now get their own reality. So, I mean, it's not reality at all. I mean, it's not. Reality. How can it be reality when you've got a camera shot in your face? But you know, all, all that crap like Towie and um, Chelsea and all of the Jordan Shaw, all of that. You know, it's it's stuff like that these days that really, really, you know, really annoys me. Um, and it's it's just uh, the whole the whole attitude I think has changed. Now. Everybody is so in your face and so uh, so obnoxious and loud, and and they think that they're the stars. You know, not naming any names, but a couple of these so-called reality TV personalities really do really do think they're the bee's knees, and you know, just because they're making lots and lots of money, um, and and some of their attitudes stink, quite frankly. But uh, moving on. Um, now then, Bruce is now interviewing um, Bill and Laura, and Laura was actually on. Um, Bruce Forsyth actually did um, uh, a look back at the Generation Game about fifteen years ago. I think it was about two thousand and seven, and they actually they actually had Laura here, who is um, impossibly tall. It says she's six foot, six foot tall, um, and is actually quite considerably taller than Bruce himself. <laughs> um, which, which is kind of like me with my wife Alison, who is who is also six foot tall, um, and I'm and I'm only a mere five foot nine. So <laughs> there is quite a difference. Um, he he actually calls her lofty, and Bruce calls Laura lofty. But anyway, yeah, Laura was in the audience for this uh, for this retrospective of the Generation Game. Uh, I think I think she she by then changed her name. You know, she got and uh, and um, you know, her surname was different. But they actually had a clip of um, of Laura from this uh, from this edition. Um, so it it was nice that they actually invited her back. I mean, she she hadn't really changed much. She you know still uh, still pretty much looks the same as uh, she does here. She's uh, she's just her ambition was to read the news 
So she's just um, actually done that quite well <laughs> in a Fulton Eve accent. <laughs> there's, one, there's one thing, you know, one noticeable thing that Bruce does is he kind of mimics the accents a lot in these in these shows. I've noticed a lot in some of the the others that he does. He does tend to mimic people's accent, which uh, I'm not sure if people would be uh, offended by or not. I don't know. I probably would. So we're on to the third game now. Um, and because it's Christmas, or because it was the approach to Christmas back then, it was uh, it was the week before Christmas. Um, we've got Christmas mail, but it's yeah, it's it's not not as exciting as you think. To be honest, it's uh, they've just got they've got six Christmas cards, six Christmas card addresses, and they've got to guess the counties. How good are they at the counties? So you've got Bristol, Crew, uh, Truro. Oh, that's easy. Stratford upon Avon, uh, Folkestone, and what's the last one? Carlisle. I'm absolutely rubbish with geography. Geography was one of the, one of my many uh, weak points at school. Uh, <laughs> Bristol. They put Somerset. Is it? Um, they put Gloucester. Gloucestershire as well. I think it's Avon. Is is Bristol's Avon, isn't it? I think. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. He, he said it's Avon. So ah, I'm better than I thought. Ah, I don't know. I'm I'm not really quite sure because um, Alison's very good with geography. She knows all her all her counties. Crew, crew. They want us to put Durham, Cheshire. Who? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about Truro is in Cornwall. You know, that that's easy. Have they both put Cornwall? Yes. Both have they you know, I think they get two points each. <laughs> Stratford upon Avon, they put Staffs and Suffolk. Stratford upon Avon is is that Warwickshire, I think? Oh, Warwickshire. Oh, there you go. God, if only I was this good at school. Folkestone, Kent. Um, Folkestone, Kent. And they've also got Kent. Yeah, so two points each. Carlisle. Uh, they put Yorkshire. And what's the other team put? Northumbria. Carlisle, is, is that Cumbria? Oh, yes. Ha! I'm, I'm better than I thought. <laughs> So the outcome of that, Mike and Theresa May have four and Bill and Laura have got six. And it's time for the next um, the next game, which is called Nurse to See. Oh, I've got to say, Bruce was the king of the puns. He they, he comes up with some great puns. And you, you can't beat the pun from these old episodes. You really, you really can't, you know. Um, and there's there's a whole load of this is about making a, a nurse's hat, I think. Um, there's a whole load of nurses that are just cheered in the audience, and there's a rather dour Scots lady coming on called no, is she Scottish? I'm not sure. Um, called Lynn Fraser, and uh, she's you know, sort of typical kind of efficiency, and uh, <laughs> she's going to show you how to make a a nurse's hat, which is not as easy as you'd think. Actually, um, 
it's nowhere near as easy as you think. Um, I suppose this would have been quite topical for Bruce um, because um, he's uh, Anthony had just given birth to their daughter uh, about, about a month before this, Louisa. So, uh, God, I mean, she'd be, God, she'd be 45. 45, 44, 45. Yeah, um, it should be 45 now. <laughs> they always, they always have this music. A couple of the the other episodes I've seen always seem to this. Uh, the uh, the theme from Mash, Suicide is Painless, which um. <laughs> Now, there's absolutely no way that you would do this sort of game these days because you're, you're actually arranging it with pins. And probably the health and safety nuts these days at the BBC would go absolutely crazy because they think, oh, what, if they get, what if they stab themselves with a pin and they're putting it on their heads or if they stab their fingers or their backs of their heads or the backs of their neck? They, the, um, I, ne I never actually saw the, re the recent one they did with... Ugh. Mel and Sue, um, but but I read all about it, and apparently they did one, one of the games they used to do with Generation Game was plate spinning, and apparently they had to wear visors, so I read when they were doing it, so they could protect themselves. I mean, it's madness. It's complete madness. It really, we, we are living in just completely different times. You know, the, these days everybody is so worried that. You know, you know they're going to make a claim to damages, or, or you know, you know they're going to sue, and you know, health, health and safety is, uh, you know, on the on the one hand, yeah, you know, it's it's all very commendable if they want to look after everyone, but um, I just think it's overkill myself. I think, I think it's just a little bit too, a little bit too over the top, and these contestants are making complete hash of it. This, this guy's hands are shaking you. Uh, <laughs> Mike there. Um, again, I, I would be absolutely useless. You've, you've got to fold it into like a... You've, you've got to fold what looks like a napkin into seven um, and create some sort of hat with it. And... Um, you know, whether or not that actually works, I don't know. <laughs> this is not going well. Now, how do they do? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not as if I could do any better, but... Um, these oh, and they have to balance the hats on their heads as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Bill gets two, which is probably being over generous, I think. <laughs> But it's it's a very difficult thing to do. Very difficult thing to do. Um, Laura seems to have made what looks like a chef's hat, actually. 
they each have to balance it on their heads. And, uh, I look even more ridiculous. <laughs> um, Lynn says that it's creative, and I, I suppose it is. And she gets a three out of five, um, which isn't bad. Uh, uh, Theresa May's effort. It's, it's uh, yeah, a little bit of a mess, this one. <laughs> The, the trick is whether they can balance these uh, these homemade hats in their heads. And she um, Teresa can, because it looks like a pin's just caught in her hair. Um, ouch. Yeah. Brucey says, be careful. <laughs> Mike's is, um, I, I think Teresa got two out of five for that one. Uh, Mike can balance it on his head, and uh, they're, they're just. Um, and Bruce is saying, uh, "We are not amused." I, I think they're trying to make out he looks like Queen Victoria. I don't know if he does, but uh, again, he gets two. He gets two out of five. Yeah. Oh, you are being kind, says Bruce. <laughs> oh, that's that's quite quite sweet, sweet gesture. Um, Lynn's just brought along a teddy bear for baby Louisa. Uh, a teddy bear in a nurse's outfit, which is which is which is a uh, yeah sweet sweet gesture. And uh, Lynn explains that she's got to work on uh, on Christmas Day. It's a thing that we don't really think about, you know, all the, all the you know the NHS working on Christmas Day, working you know flat out really, and they they don't get a word of thanks. So Mike and Teresa have got eight, and Bill and Laura have got eleven. So they are through to the to the final round to decide who's going to go onto the conveyor belt. Um, and the the uh, the task they've got the, uh, today is actually quite a quite a strenuous one. <laughs> I'm not really quite sure whether, you know, again, down to health and safety, I'm not really quite sure whether they, uh, today's, you know, program makers would be worried that, you know, are, the, are these contestants insured? You know, have they got enough uh, insurance for a very strenuous, uh, uh, it's actually U Ukrainian Cossack dancing. And, oh God, these guys are amazing. How the hell have they, have they managed to do this, uh, this Cossack dancing? I, I really don't know. But uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's they're actually to give them their full name. They're actually the Ukrainian Zaporozhian Cossacks. I, th I think I, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, <laughs> Nigel's just looked at what these what these guys are doing, and he's just putting his hands in his head in his hands, and he's just like. Looking in absolute horror at what he's got to do. <laughs> That's the price you pay for wanting to be on the generation game. My God, how are these guys? They're literally the, these dancers. Their legs are flaming up in the air. Um. Well, well, you know, well, supporting themselves with with just their hands. They're, they're doing this really fast dancing. It's God. How do they do that? 
But yes, um, yeah, I hope I pronounced the uh, the Ukrainian Cossack, uh, the Zaporozhian uh, group uh, right. I'm not sure if they're still around, but I I did read on Facebook that um, I, I think I, I think they've changed the name, but I, I think I think they are still they are still around in in some form or other. Um, whether this guy, uh, Stefan Chuplak, I think his name is. Whether he can still do this these days, or whether whether he's still with us, don't know. I did read that um, Stefan was um, actually a maths teacher. I think. Imagine that, you know, you know, one minute you're teaching maths, and the next minute you're doing this wild Cossack dancing. I mean, how on earth do you do that? God, that is incredible. Um, I, I think I'd if if that, if that was if that was me in the in the contestant shoes, I think I'd just walk out and go home <laughs> but these guys these guys make it look incredibly easy um and it's by it looks like the most difficult thing in the world that i could do you know the you know the timing and the precision is is incredible <clears throat> really amazing I showed this uh, this episode to um, my eldest daughter, who's six years old, and she she was spellbound by it. Actually, this uh, this dancing, you know, but both my daughters really like dancing, and uh, and she was she was amazed. She was she was just absolutely spellbound. So um, I, I think a lot of this holds up. You know, it it does hold up well, and I think it's it's a real pet peeve of mine when. All, all of these great shows are just sitting in the archives doing dust. They're, they're not doing anything. They're, they're just sitting there. Um, I, d I don't want to use the word lazy, um, but I will. Uh, <laughs> I think modern day TV programmers, I, th I think, are incredibly lazy. I think they just they just show the same old tap over and over again, and any hint of archive TV just tends to get ignored. It's not even brought out on DVD. You know, a, a lot. You know, none of these generation games are actually available commercially. You know, they're not available on DVD. A lot of game shows are not available on, on DVD, and I really think that BBC programmers, are, or you know, not just them, but you know, also on um, oh, what is it, Challenge TV? Incredibly lazy stuff. I mean, from what I've seen, it it just seems to be water wall chase. Um, and it's like once you've seen one episode of a chase, you've seen them all, really. Um, and I really wish that they would show some of these older stuff. I don't know why, whether it's, you know, to do with rights, copyright, or, or whether it's to do with, you know, whether they think it's not PC enough these days or, or, you know, whatever the reason, I, I just, I, I really, you know, maybe they just think more than audiences don't get it, but I, I think they would. And I think they would really enjoy it. So it's a shame that, you know, the BBC are not making this commercially available to own on DVD or, or as a download. Um, I, I, you know, and it's especially galling because they're getting rid of BBC Four in the future, which um, which is home to quite a lot of good archive TV, actually. Whether, you know, again, maybe another reason is cost, you know, because it, you know, it does cost a lot to um, repeat this stuff. But, yeah, all, all the same. I, I think that you know. I, I think it is a great shame 
that all these great shows are just sitting there doing nothing and gathering dust and um it's it's i, I think it's a waste I, I think it is a waste um anyway moving on to um th this is um going back to laura um her and her and bill were up first and trying to do this Cossack dancing. And and this was the clip they played when Laura was in the audience and she was looking uh, a little embarrassed, I think. <laughs> Even though I, th I think she gets the better deal, actually, because, you know, she just sort of has to stand around in the background, do a little dancing and um, wave a tambourine around. Oh, she's, oh, she's doing a bit of dancing there. But it's um, it's Bill. Um, and then, of course, you know, Nigel in the, in the next uh, the next qual qualifying round. Um, who who have to actually copy the uh, the main bit of the Ukrainian Cossacks? How the hell? Oh God! I mean, he's, you know, Bill. I think he's doing quite well. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think they said in the opening bit he was forty two. So uh, he's, uh, I mean, you know, I'm now forty seven, and there's absolutely no way that I could do that. You know. What they ask of these contestants sometimes is actually <laughs> quite incredible, really. But um, interestingly, uh, Bruce Bruce doesn't attempt to do the dancing, whereas um, Larry tended to kind of um, copy what the Larry Grayson tended to copy what they did with the um, the the end game activities. Oh god, this is the big finale with um, the, each of the Cossacks leaps into the air and they do. Very painful looking splits move. Um, quite how they do it. Bill, Bill can't quite do it. He just lands on his uh, on his knee. Um, there's absolutely no way that I could do that. But uh, yeah, Larry Grace intended to copy the uh, what the each of the like the dancers or the performers would do in the uh, in the final game. But Bruce doesn't really do that. He, he kind of more he kind of guides the contestants through. Um, it would have been interesting to see if he could do that, though. But <laughs> actually, he probably could because he, he was a you know he's a great great tap dancer, you know. So now it's the turn of uh, Margaret and Nigel while Bill and Laura get their aspirins and uh, lie down, presumably. Again, going back to the real filming in real time thing, I, I, I do wonder how on earth they uh, they managed to do this. Uh, Must have been really difficult. It's uh, very difficult. They have to sing this really cheesy kind of traditional song. And <laughs> Nigel was just sort of, you know, barking, you know, you know, both the singers and, you know, sort of trying to be in tune. And he's just sort of going, like. <laughs> and they've uh, both, both uh, pairs of contestants also. Uh, I kind of wearing the traditional Ukrainian garb. Um, Margaret's got the dress, and, uh, and Nigel Nigel's just got the headgear. They've got the traditional Ukrainian headgear. <clears throat> but it's, it's just good good time fun all of this, you know. And part part of the fun is just um, seeing how contestants uh, try it. <laughs> Nigel tried to do some, which he actually is, he's doing quite well. Um, I, th I think he was only 22 at the time. So, you know, he's probably got the advantage here, actually, um, of, of winning. 
But um, I, I think going back to, you know, the difference between, you know, then and now is that I don't really think people took themselves quite as seriously back then. I, th- I think they were more willing to do things for a laugh. Whereas these days, I think, I think, I think many people are quite self-conscious, um, you know, about going on TV. They do take themselves incredibly seriously. You know, there's, there's none of this kind of lighthearted banter or, you know, make it, making a prat of yourself while doing Ukrainian dancing. I, I can't really see people doing that. Um, I don't know. But then, but then I suppose, you know, we're all used to being filmed and, you know, it's actually quite unnerving actually going, you know, going out these days because everybody's on their, you know, of the slightest incident in, you know, in, outside, you know, say, you know, somebody falls over or whatever, or, you know, there's an accident or, you know, there's a, there's a, God forbid, you know, a punch up or something, you know, um, every, you know, so many people will just whip out their iPhones and just film it. So it's kind of like, you know, ev- everybody is on, you know, everybody's on TV or, you know, in some form, because they'll be uploaded, to, you know, uploaded to YouTube or any other, you know, social media. And it's kind of like, you know, we, we don't have any anonymity anymore, which I, which I think is a, a little bit terrifying, really. But uh, there you go. So Stefan's back to do some marking. Um, so Bill and Laura get 18 points, which, which I think is a very reasonable score. Laura looks absolutely knackered. <laughs> well, they both did. Nigel just looks absolutely knackered as well. But uh, yeah, Margaret and Nigel get 19, so they get they go through to the a qualifier for the conveyor belt, um, which, which will be coming up very soon. And uh, God, and it's it's goodbye to Stefan, who um, and you know, along with the Ukrainian Cossack dancers, are just um, ama- amazing entertainment. Just um, you know, the, the moves they made were just absolutely incredible. So Bill and Laura, they they go for the handshake and the quick peck on the cheek for Nigel from Laura. Uh, they they win consolation prizes of uh, tankards and briefcases and uh, attaché cases or something. I'm not sure. Now they come up with um these days, I mean they um you know, they come up with the most easiest questions ever, but back then they were a little bit more tricky. Um where you know, where the I'm not sure of the mount, mountains he just said, sorry, I was talking over it. Um but he, he you know, they have to ask questions about the Alps and uh, uh the, <laughs> the shortest day of them up, which is a little bit easier, but he gets confused. Um, he, he thought it was June, which is probably easy to do. But Nigel's just got it. He said uh, he's some of the twenty first, so it's uh, Nigel that gets uh, he gets to go in the conveyor belt. Um, the second Nigel, because uh, the previous week there was another um, stranger Nigel, uh, which was on another edition. Um, but this week they get they get the conveyor belt back because the previous week they didn't have the conveyor belt. Uh, for various strike reasons, I used to go and strike an awful lot with TV these days. Uh, so, what have we got on the conveyor belt tonight? We have got um, some party drinks, um, a grill, grill thing, spice rack. That was a favourite. Um, 
tea, a tea service, toaster, a ragdoll and a toy digger, um, a stool, some Br'er Rabbit prints, which, uh, which are if they still have, a humidifier, orange tree, uh, scales, big saucepan thing, a great big pot, uh, what they call a silver salver, silver tray, a uh, little portable cassette recorder, cassette player, cuddly toy, hey, lion, fruit bowl with some fruit in it, some saucepans, coffee percolator, cutlery, camera, and that's it. And they, Nigel now has 45 seconds to remember as many things as he can, which is probably not easy. Um, the interview that he did um, after Bruce Forsyth passed away, and he uh, he struggles a bit here, actually, probably because he's so knackered from doing all that Cossack dancing. But it's not easy because, you know, you've got the audience shouting at you. You you have to sit on this chair. Um, you're put under a spotlight every everywhere they dim the lights. Um, so quite how on earth you've managed to remember all this, I don't, I don't know. Um, and Nigel said that Anthea was busy shouting prizes at him off camera. But he said that he, uh, in the interview, he still has the Br'er Rabbit prints and the, and the lamp. Uh, unfortunately, I think the cuddly toy went the, the way of a dodo. Didn't he do well? <laughs> well, he'd probably do a lot better than me. Um, God knows. So that is the end of um, a very enjoyable edition of the Generation Game, actually. Um, Bruce has got one more show to do on the 25th of December, Christmas Day. Um, and then he's got a, um, a clip show to host on New Year's Eve which includes the um, uh, the 19th of November edition that was backed out, partly. Um, so they, they show the remainder of that, which didn't go out the first time. But, uh, yeah, enjoyed that a lot. Uh, hope you did too. Hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. Um, but in the meantime, this is me, John Bensali, signing off. Hope to see you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>